there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so first off, we've only announced our Japan Real Estate Summit, which is happening on Sunday, 22 October in Shibuya, Tokyo. Uh, announced it last week, but about a third of the tickets are already gone. So quick reminder, if you haven't bought your tickets yet, highly advise you pause this playback and go grab yours now, whether it's a live or streaming ticket. Uh, Tracy, Emil and myself are going to be there talking about everything under the sun from investment asset classes to family homes, mortgages, short-term stay logistics, legislation, you name it. And you can, of course, pick our, our brains and talk about anything else that you might want. But most importantly, if you can attend in person, it's the best chance you'll have to meet and network with people like yourselves who are interested in any or all aspects of the real estate property market here in Japan, more or less experienced. So yeah, hop over to realestate.jp and secure your spot today if you haven't done so already. Now for today's episode, uh, this is the ladies only section of our JREP crew, uh, aside from myself, that is Tracy and Blanca. And as always the case, this makes for a very casual and chilled session. And this time we're talking about the recovery of the short-term stay market after the pandemic borders closure, how and why you should use your own marketing channels instead of relying only on the booking platforms like Airbnb and so forth. So we talk SEO, Google, email, social media, YouTube, and all of these uh, super useful marketing and sales tools. We also get an update on how Anton's project is going, the young Swedish model who's buying, renovating, and profiting from Tokyo's abandoned homes, or Akia. And that also led us to a fun conversation about Japan's general popularity on YouTube and other video platforms. And we then ask Blanca about large-scale rubbish disposal of the type that you get when you do renovations and demolitions. And also about what happens when an owner or tenant dies in a property, either from natural causes or more sinister ones. So a nice little preview for Halloween for you there. And finally, we talk a little bit about cities and how Tokyo kind of breaks the mold of CBDs in most parts of the world uh, in lieu of what's more of an urban sprawl. Um, lastly, we talk a little bit about what it's like traveling around the world as a property professional. So yeah, super casual chat, but quite an interesting one. Lean back, grab a drink, enjoy the conversation, and we'll see you again on the other side. All right, Japan Real Estate Experts Panel, the ladies' version. <laughs> are you an honorary lady, are you? I will, if you'll take me, yeah. 
<laughs> we'll take you in. Thank yeah. You. The boys are all out to play, are they, today? The other boys. Yeah. Looks like it. So what's uh, what's your week been like? Well, um, my week has just been nutty, nutty crazy. Um, I'm, you know, we're recording this in March 23, um, you know, 2023. And, um, and everyone's back. <laughs> everyone's back. And it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Um, I have just onboarded uh, four new properties. Woo! Wow. Four new properties, um, and there's always room for more. Um, and these are these are great. So these are properties that are already set up, and I can just come in and do my magic and use my marketing. Um, so these are properties that wouldn't get exposure otherwise. So, but because I have like I haven't you know I don't just rely on Airbnb for example I've got my mailing list and and um and my website and I get a lot of organic bookings so um yeah so I could I could be booking everything three times over right now it's just crazy because it's it's March it's like the busiest time of the year the first time in three years that we've had a Hanami yes and the the blossoms are out and the birds are singing and yeah they are Mm, it's well, when you say organic um, organic bookings, what do you mean? Not through any of the booking platforms or just not through Airbnb? Just through any of the booking platforms. So these are people that write to me directly so that find me from Google um, because I've done a lot of work over the last five years um, with all of the SEO, with my, my tags and my metadata and all those sort of funky things. And also, if you get to my website and you want to be on my mailing list, you can you, do, you can join my mailing list there and then get the updates by email. Um, I also have a, a lot of people come to me from Instagram. So, okay, yeah, I have a lot of, um, yeah, I put a lot of stuff out on Instagram that is all about like, you know, that's not necessarily house related, but it's more Japan related. Um, yeah. So for people who are really, you know, really interested in Japan. Mm. Which is great. How do you, how do you what, get your customers, Blanca? Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, I said that's how it is. I mean, it's perfect, you know, when you can put on social media and people, you know, get the interest, then they just, they, Instagram is amazing for business. It is. It's, look, it's great for getting leads. So um, social media is great for getting your, um, for getting the exposure and for growing your, uh, for getting the leads. But um, hands down, email is still king for conversions and for profit making is absolutely your email list because it's yours. Social media could go away tomorrow. Um, and then all of your yep. posts and all of your goodwill and all of your likes and everything that could go away tomorrow. You know, you might sneeze wrong and they they've turned it off. So um, everything should be funneling you into a, a an email list, which is yours. You own it. And then, yep. um, and then just keep everything. I mean, you know, this too. So um but yeah i'm just kind of jealous um i think in your case you're right blancas too probably instagram would be great but um the properties that we normally at least on the investment side that we normally market are not so photogenic so instagram uh, nope. i mean I, I i'm there but i wouldn't say it's a big channel for us no what you you don't you don't need to be posting the actual properties that you have there all the time 
but you just have to create buzz and awareness about your your brand. That's why Tracy said she doesn't always post properties. She posts Japan-related things. So people interested in coming to Japan, so in your case, people interested in investing in Japan would already know about you and then keep you in mind. And then when they decide that they actually want to invest, they would already, oh, I know the guy. Yeah, yeah, no, that we do that on all the channels. Just I'm just saying we're getting better results from LinkedIn and Facebook than we do from Instagram or TikTok or or Twitter. Well, that's where your customers. That's where your customers are. Yeah. So, you yeah. always need to know your customer base, anyways, and you know what 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 works for you, where you get the conversions. Uh, we also don't necessarily for our real estate, uh, for our renovation company, don't necessarily get a lot of clients from uh instagram but we do get a lot of clients through you know uh marketing and you know just talking about us uh online facebook promoting us and and so you know there's a lot of us kind of and then seo literally seo when people hear about but people just search for bilingual you know renovation company that we pop up that's just the, what it is so you know it's it's a mixture of it's a mixture of a little bit of everything not putting all your eggs in one basket but you know having it here and there and then the traffic goes mm. Mm. but i mean the, the the youtube would be good for you though as well is it, this is a this is a the podcasts and everything that we're doing now yeah. Yeah. Whenever there's a conversation involved, we do very well. So YouTube, the podcast, uh, LinkedIn post, articles, the website SEO, like Blanca was saying. Yeah. We're, we're um, whenever there's a conversation and text involved, is where we excel and shine. I think photos. I mean, we occasionally get a really beautiful old traditional home that you know we've got something to post about. But normally, if we post photos, yeah, it's general Japan stuff, not the properties themselves. Yeah, and Japan cities are not very pretty, are they? <laughs> no, well, ugly concrete here. block, basically, concrete right? Yeah. Blocks. I will say though that I'm um, uh, so as someone we had on here on the podcast a little while ago, Anton, who's been doing doing the DIY. Um, he's finished his property; it's ready. Um, I'm going out to inspect it, and I'll be. Uh, he's got a hotel license on it, so that's the update. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is just fantastic. Um, and I'll be going out to seeing it uh, soon. And um, um, we're going to be onboarding to Tokyo Family Stays as well um, yeah. for a different marketing arm. But, you know, he's, he's starting up a new YouTube channel, which will be... So, Anton, just to remind uh, or, or to let people know who have not tuned into the previous ones, he's a Swedish model who's DIY renovating um, old abandoned Japanese homes, right? That's right. And you probably put the show notes where, where the, the previous one where he was on. Um, and he doesn't, he, he posts all in Japanese. So, uh, which was a very niche product. Um, but now because of that, he's been getting so much attention with, um, with regular Japanese TV. He's going to be on Fuji television and he's going to be on a couple of other TV shows 
pretending well, to renovating, which he's not actually going to be doing the work for those places, but he's certainly going to be. Oh, like a reality system. show, like Anton comes in and, and looks at the place and tells you what to do. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, because he's, you know, he's got the look, he's got the charisma. Plus yeah, he's got he's the chops. He's got the skills, mm. man. He's like, his house is gorgeous. So, um, and, uh, but he's also going to be starting another YouTube channel, which will be more about, um, uh real estate in japan in english so um so i'll maybe do some collaboration with him on that as well and maybe do some collaboration with the, with all of us here so um because certainly he knows how to get the he knows how to get the um you know that millennial digital native um yep. ease that all those all the kids they all seem to have you know <laughs> And us oldies. Watch out. I think, uh, I don't know about you, but Blanca officially might be a millennial, no, Blanca? No. 1986 plus, they tell me now. No, but I am 1978. <laughs> don't tell, don't tell. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm an old bird. I was 45 last month. <laughs> 45, is that all? Yes. <laughs> No, so that, that's going to be fun. That's um, so so um, because anything on YouTube that's Japan related, people are just eating it up. Um, yeah. I was shocked the other day when I was watching some YouTube, and uh, you know things that I take for granted as a day to day, um, people were using it for content. So going into the Seven Eleven and buying a, <laughs> buying a sandwich and then getting your paint for the bill and getting your chopsticks and it's just like that's like my that's like a Wednesday you know how is this to me how is this something that's getting so many hits people right. are actually watching it so it's like okay because we forget that it is unique Tracy it's not like that yeah I guess so I guess I so it's I don't get it you know it's not a content worthy material but yeah it does it does get the clicks it does get the clicks so anyway so that's that's Anton's update of his beautiful home um and he got his license and um he's well it's not through yet um he's put all the paperwork in and, and um you might have to dot some more i's and cross some more t's um so uh, I wonder when he bought that one, he obviously had the uh, short-term rentals strategy in mind already. Absolutely. So he must have done the prep work and gone and found out that the ward office will take the property or not. Or Oh, no, he, certainly, certainly the zoning was fine. Um, and uh, so what he's doing now is that, you know, he renovated the house but then left all of the things like the the – exit lighting and the fire alarms and security systems left those blank um, until he got to this point of needing the safety certificate and so then consulted with the the company who was giving him his safety certificate so he didn't have to buy something and then retrofit it with with any updates so that was a smart yeah. move that was a very so smart move he did his due diligence before he how it did and I think the reason he's got his hotel license is he actually lives right next door to it. And, um, yeah, they're funny about, you know, you've got to be, to get your hotel license, even if it's a standalone property, you've got to show that there is some sort of 24-hour desk or 24-hour reception, even if it's a house. Um, right. You know. 
you just go through the motion. I shouldn't say this in public, but you go through the motions. You make sure that they can see what they're doing, um, that it, you, you're ticking all the boxes. And then once you've got the license, you're, you know, you're free to, you're free to go ahead. So they rarely come and check, if ever. Mm. Yeah, but Japan, you know, that's one thing I like in Japan, in a way, is if you are able to tick off the box, then they'll give you what you need. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So mm. it works great. It works great in no matter what business you are doing in this country. Mm. Mm. I have a question for you, Blanca. Yes, darling. How do you, you, you have a lot of trash, right? You When you're doing a reno, you have a lot of um lots of jetsam you know you've got a lot of disposable <laughs> industrial waste industrial waste what is how is that handled in japan because this is something i don't know and maybe people who are listening might be interested in we have we have uh, a gentleman that handles that for us so he comes with a big truck uh, and we load the waste, and he takes it for the for the site. There are, there are designated sites uh, for this for industrial waste. And for example, if your if the construction site is in Tokyo, you are obligated as a company to dispose in Tokyo because each of the uh, each of the cities or even the ken, the prefectures and stuff, they have a different price. Mm-hmm based on that stuff uh so of course like we could take it somewhere else but we are obligated as a company to to honor the law and throw it away in tokyo if the if the site is in tokyo so we for example cannot drive it to you know rural sites yeah mm. or chiba where it would be cheaper but we have to pay for the tokyo disposal site mm. and so he that's one of the priciest things when it comes to projects to calculate. Um, sure. So he he that he charges you. Yeah. Just right. Okay. And so his business is just picking up trash. Like so, Literally. he's got a he's got a he's got yes. a gourmet license. Then he's okay. got the license, and he goes from you know we always tell him okay you know because we have a several like garbage and several stages. You know, first you have the stage when you are doing the demolition. And you, for example, so you would be removing walls, you're removing, you're tearing off the old wallpaper, you're removing the old uh, unit, you know, like that. So that's the stage one that, you know, he comes in there, takes everything out. But then as you are bringing new things, there's a lot of, garbage that comes even like you know the back of the wallpapers and uh you know all the all the wrapping materials and everything and everything has to be sorted and disposed of accordingly so that's again when we call him and you know we we of course have to pack it in a specific garbage bags we cannot just buy you know, convenience store garbage bags. We have to have a specific garbage bags because also the industrial waste is heavier. So you have to have kind of a heavy duty. Aren't they like a like a fabric almost? I've seen that stuff. Like plastic almost, fabric. Yes, yes they yeah. look like fabrics kind of thingy. Mm. So we have that, and then he comes and he carries it again and disposes of it where it's needed. So yeah, garbage is a huge deal in Japan. 
huge. People cannot Is even. The, uh, would you be using the same company if it was concrete waste? Yes. Yes. Because okay. concrete waste comes. Concrete waste comes as a part of it because if we are breaking walls and stuff, we do have a lot of concrete. And concrete is really heavy, as you know, so that, you know, comes with the weight and stuff. And it's just, oh, yeah, pricey, very pr Concrete buildings are pricey to destroy. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know. They're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. Mm. Well, okay, that's that's really interesting. That's so he, he then he then pays. So he's got a he's got like the he's like a he, Japan is the home of the middleman, right? So he then goes and dumps it and pays the dump people to dump it. And so he, pay, he, he pays he then... uh, per volume. He pays per volume. How it works is basically he comes to that designated area. He comes in there with his truck. They weigh his truck. Then he offloads whatever he needs to offload. And they weigh him on the way out. And he pays per weight. Oh, okay. Hmm. Same, same thing in Australia at the tip. The way you're coming in and coming out. Sorry? In Australia, it's the same system. You, They charge you by the weight. You, the way you're coming in and coming out and charge you according to that. Mm. Yeah. Like in Czech, we have uh, city-run disposal sites that where if you live or operate in the city, you can actually bring a lot of garbage there for free. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just to avoid, you know, anybody dumping it somewhere. But here in Japan, it does not work like that. It's only like if you would be doing it yourself 
and you have a garbage, then if you are living in that in that city, up to 20 kilos in only costs about for a private person, not for a business, but for a private person, it costs up to 500 yen. The first, you know, like let's say the first 20 kilos, but you can only come once a day and you cannot be a business. But right. once a business, and of course, you know what they cannot, <laughs> 20 kilo is nothing when it comes to destroying, a, uh, you know, renovating a property. So you, and you as a company, you have to pay the the regular fees. I get so, 20 kilos out of Ori's bedroom on the spring cleaning. <laughs> so, but, but also in Australia, you could just get a skip delivered, right? You get a skip and then everything goes into the skip and then it gets taken away. Um, so all yeah. the building materials. But they then don't have a space for that most of the time. No, it's just interesting that because there's a around my um, around my house, there's a woman. She seems to be like renovating the house by hand herself, um, and um, you know, and she's pulling out really nasty old tatami, and oh, it's oh. so, and it's sort of around like it's all around the the neighbourhood. So I'm just wondering what she's doing to dispose of it. So mm. she will eventually have to get somebody to come and collect it from her and pay him for it. Yeah. Unless she wants to be, you know, chopping off the tatami into small bits and then put them in a burnable garbage. But That's what she's doing. She's chopping. Is that a thing? You're chopping up tatamis, really? She's pulling that they're, they're all in pieces about the size of a 4 2 you know, like a, you know, wow. they're going to pay disposal fee and she is gonna, she's going to throw it off for burnable, which people do as well, but it's it's just nasty. I mean, ugh. Oh, it's awful. It's just disgusting. And then there was, like, a broken toilet outside the other day. And, <laughs> and that, you know, that one she has to dispose of. She has to pay for disposal of that one. Yeah. Oh. There's no way they're going to take it otherwise. But I just I, feel for the neighbours because it's yeah. just unsightly and, oh. Elderly neighbors, I have elderly neighbors that have a house, and all of a sudden, about six months back, their entire house and the front garden end up being stuffed with um, bags full of like cables and and pipes that like you know uh, laundry, the washing machine, you know those kind of plastic pipes and stuff. Uh, so you can see that most probably, I don't know if the son or somebody was in that type of business, had a lot of garbage. And I don't know if they went out of business and didn't want it to dispose of it, or I don't know what happened there. But they dumped everything at those old people's home. And now within those six months, you can see now and then one or two bags disappearing. Every, every week, yeah. Oh, my and God, that's a hard work. You know, or like over the weekend, he would just bring it somewhere. Mm. You know? uh, hard, hard. So, uh, but it's like that already six months, you know. So I don't know how long, how much longer it's going to take them to dispose of it, whether it's worth it. You know, even driving there all the time, if you have to drive to that, you know, disposal site yourself just to avoid paying so you pay about 300 if it's up to 20 kilos here in matsudo is i think 360 yen but you have to drive there and it's not in the center so you know 
two hours of your time every weekend or every whatever assigned day. Yeah, so my, my, my time's worth more than that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I value my time. Yeah. Mm. Time. And if this one, and he's been doing it for months. Yeah. No. It's no. not great. Because how, how often do you, do, are you selling houses and they've still got all the stuff from the old people left behind inside? How often is that happening? Um, it really depends on the customer. Some of them like that and some of them want delivery completely empty of stuff, right? So it really depends. Most of the time, I think we get them already empty. It's quite rare that we're um, asked to hold on to anything. Mm. I've just been looking at it. There's a couple of um, Twitter, um, like photographers that I follow that have, um, and they're Tokyo-based, uh, so they have some photos of, of places that are just snapshots in time of full of, like, it's like, you know, someone's washed the dishes and put them on the sink and then that was 20 years ago and it hasn't been touched since. We so, don't have yeah. Matt here today, but he, I think he deals with a lot of that. Mm. We were looking at uh, one property right now to buy as a company. And that's pro- that's that's exactly like it is. That's that's what it is. That's the property we are looking at, and it's uh, it's dirt cheap, but you know it just got abandoned. You know, someone died in it, or mid- someone died in it. Uh, not in it, but it was an elderly person that um, elderly lonely person that eventually got taken to a hospital and didn't return. Right. Okay, mm. and then so the house was just not, left. Yeah, mm. so it's not the it's not the property where somebody died in it, but it's literally the person didn't have anybody and just mm. uh, you know. Yeah, there's there's lots of stories like that because um, you know people don't tend to hang out in each other's houses, right? So you know the relatives don't tend to hang out in each other's house. So when someone passes, it's yeah. like, or you know, then. Um, they because they don't go into that house, no one's cleaning it out. So yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of we're now settling on our first. Um, well, we've had a bunch of houses with deaths in them, but natural deaths so far. And now we're settling on our first uh, suicide home. Oh, and how yeah. is that? How is it? And Chica, Chica made me promise that nobody from our office will ever have to go in there. See, what that doesn't worry me at all. Like you know, I most Westerners are not concerned. I'm not that, that yeah. worried about it um oh we we need it we need an update Ziv. how is your the property that you've just settled on um we haven't settled on it yet the bank guy came for um a few final signatures and a few final forms and he said that it's taking long because he's trying to figure out how to ascertain that none of the funds that we have in our bank account that we're holding for customers is the result of money laundering by the customers. <laughs> like, dude, there's no way you're going to ascertain that. I mean, we have a contract with them that says that the money comes from legitimate sources, but that's it. I mean, I don't think, I don't think you can dig into that in Japan, let alone overseas accounts. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't it just that you put, raise your hand and you can... Like swear at a notary that that swear. yeah yeah because oh a gangster would never swear at a notary public office right well you know I swear <laughs> that I am not a 
you know, laundering money or something. That's my heart and hope. No, uh, anyway, that's not that's not going to happen. So I don't know. We'll see how they cope with that. Oh my goodness! It will have him sign some kind of an undertaking, I believe. We sign it, obviously, and all of our customers sign it when they engage us. It's part of our contract, but that's yeah. the limit of what we can confirm, right? Of course. But if the money's coming in from rental, right? From rental, from rental income, right? Yeah, they're more concerned, obviously, about the capital that was used to purchase oh, right, the property. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. Um, okay. That, that's the point of money laundering, right? You would be investing with the black funds yeah, and getting yeah, it yeah. back as rental income with white funds. Yeah. But that's, I don't know. It's not, isn't that above your pay grade? <laughs> it's above anyone's pay grade, yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh well. Well, keep yeah. fighting the good fight, Ziv. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, it's definitely an educational uh, process. Yeah. And tell us about the suicide. Is it a suicide apartment or a house or? Um, it's a house. Dad apparently uh, hung himself in the attic. Um, in the attic. Okay. In the attic in 2008, and they all moved out in 2000. They all, the family moved out in 2009. So they oh. still live after. What's they, they still live there for a whole year afterwards. Uh, apparently, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the house was just completed or renovated in 2008. They've only just moved there, I think, in 2008. Oh, God, he got the yeah, bill but... and he hanged himself. He got the renovation. <laughs> we shouldn't make fun of that. <laughs> Didn't say that. Didn't say that. Yeah. You know, and it's long enough already. That would not bother me at all. It's not a violent, really, act. It's just it's just someone who's, you know, a tragic. It's just sad. Yeah. But I mean, most Westerners that I know are not really concerned by that. On the other hand, all Asians that I know are concerned by that. So. But then you just do a cleansing for them. You yeah. offer them cleansing, a spiritual cleansing. You know, and that's it. Yeah, it comes with their post-death renovation. We've have done that on a few properties, the cleansing. Oh, again, not just natural deaths, but still. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what it is. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Which city? Um, This one is not in Tokyo, somewhere between Tokyo and Narita. I'm not sure exactly where. One of the small towns along the way there. Mm-hmm. Small towns along the way. I mean, between Tokyo and Narita, it's just like, you know, it's just buildings, right? So, yeah. But no, but officially, you move through a few actual cities, right? Officially, yeah. I remember yeah. when I lived in Nakanoku, um, when I walked from the train station at Nishishinjuku Gochome, um, I got off the train station at Nishishinjuku Gochome, which is technically Shinjuku, Shinjuku City. I walked to the next block and I was in Shibuya City and then I crossed the road to get into my apartment and I was in Nakano City. So there were three <laughs> cities that I crossed to get to my um, uh, to get to my apartment because a lot of people, well, they write to me, oh, I want to be close to the centre of the city. It's like there is no centre. There of is the no centre of the city. <laughs> Um, pick a city, you know, and because everyone's so used to, like, especially in Australia, like being central or, you know, centre, but it, there is no centre. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just it's just confusing for people to think that there is just a sprawl 
Um, and each little each little district has its own charm about it, has its own sort of DNA. Um, yeah. Other cities, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it makes sense to make that mistake because other cities do. I mean, if you look even at Yokohama, there's like say, three stations yeah. and then everything is suburbs. Right? Yeah, but what about Fukuoka? What's that like? Um, Fukuoka has one main center and a couple of alternative smaller centers uh, to the east and west, but there's a very clear CBD and then dining mm-hmm. shopping area right next to it. And yeah, we have mm-hmm. an, an official center. So yeah, te- so technically, like Tokyo is the outlier in that respect, but mm. yeah, mm. yeah, because people say, "Oh, Koenji, it's just you know, it's so far from the center of the city." It's like Koenji, it's like like downtown, basically. It's a pretty central center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, with the train lines being so good, you know, you're into Shinjuku in ten minutes, for example, and yeah. Mm. People don't get it because they don't they don't realize that Tokyo is actually uh, twenty three cities plus. Yeah. That so they don't know they don't know it's difficult. It's difficult. You know how every city kind of like abroad, most of the cities have kind of like that main square. I don't know how is it in Australia, but in Europe, well, Europe for sure. Um, in Europe have that main square and then the cities kind of build around it and it's funny when Europeans come to Japan they always go like so when is the main square we want to see the main <laughs> square like, what main square <laughs> what? we don't even have that here I think what Tracy was describing like moving you know crossing the street you're in another city you know going across you're in another city and there's a bunch of places in Europe where you can do that with whole countries, right? Like you take two yeah. steps to the left, you're in a different country. Yeah, Europe's great like that. You know, mm. you can you can drive for a few hours and pass through several several different countries. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I just love Europe so much when it comes to all this, you know, and traveling and the variety of cultures and foods and everything. Europe's amazing. Mm. Mm. I haven't been to Europe for ages. Um, I'll be there in July this year. So, oh, when, where? Well, actually, just the UK. Okay. Just the UK. With you, my, you, it's not Europe. No, not anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the food is. Um, I mean, there's good food if it's not um, British food. <laughs> Well, I, I'm a hard. Sorry, hot. sorry to our British listeners. I know there's roasts and pot, and I, I know you do good <laughs> stuff. But yeah. I'm a harpy. I'm like my dad's from my dad's from Plymouth, so um, and so he wants to take my son, his grandson, and also my nephew, his other grandson, take take them back to uh, to the UK and show him show them all the places that he, you know, he grew up in and went to school at, you know, while he's still above ground, which is great. So hmm. this should be really nice for them. Yeah, it'll be lovely. I mean, but we're taking it really slowly. So um, because I've got so many friends in short-term rentals, we're going to sort of set ourselves up in, you know, cute little cottages along the way. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we won't, we're not going to do a different town every day um, because I think that's too much. So we might go somewhere and just set up for three or four days and then, you know, do lots of things in that area and then move on. So, mm. yeah. And you can you can see the short-term rental from a different perspective as well. Well, that's right. Um, and it just means that everyone's got their own space and, um, 
Are you going to be like my bar and restaurant buddies? Like whenever we travel together and they walk into a place, they oh, oh, I would have put the DJ over there. I'm not sure what <laughs> that's over there. <laughs> no, the decor is a bit off on this corner. <laughs> I have to stop. I have to stop myself, actually. So, um, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, it's it's very tempting to do that. But um, so uh, I don't know if people know, I actually wrote a book last year and it was with 40 other 40 other um, hosts and um, called the Hospitable Hosts. And so I'll be going to stay with some of the other authors along the way. So I know that they, you know, I'm not, I'm going directly to them. I'm not sort of just searching on Airbnb. I've got people that I know and trust are going to, they're holding up the same sort of hospitality standards that I do. Mm. Yeah, which is great, which is great. Yeah. Mm. Some really cute little cottages in the, you know, I mean, London's London's like another big city, but it'll be it'll be nice to, you know, meander meander through the West Country. Nice. I can't wait. I'm going to Thailand in two weeks, first holiday without anyone in the past three years, and I can't say how I'm looking forward to it. My mind's not even here anymore. <laughs> I believe that. You're going with your family? Going? No, no, I'm not. No. You're going no. on a you're going on a uh, retreat on your own. I'm going on a retreat. I'm meeting a couple of friends there. One's coming from Japan. One's coming from Australia, and we're just going to be on the beach for three weeks. That's the Which idea. Which beach? Uh, Kupangan, southeast island near Koh Samui. Oh, lovely. Okay. Hmm. That sounds amazing. Oh, Kopanyang. Okay. Kopanyang. Yeah. yeah, Kopanyang. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, have some nice beers and some yummy foods. I shall. We'll probably be working half the day, but at least I'll be uh, in pleasant surroundings. I hope we can do one session from there too. That yes. Be- That'll be great. That'll be great. So what else do we have to do? We have to do cut it early off today, but what else do you Yeah, want? no, we're good. We can cut it now. Thank you for your time, ladies. Yes. Yes. So, same time next week. Yep. Yep. Thank you. See you soon. See you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. There you go. That was fun, wasn't it? And again, quick reminder, tickets are quite likely to sell out for the Japan Real Estate Summit this coming 22nd October in Shibuya, Tokyo. So go grab your tickets right now if you haven't yet. Streaming or live attendance at realestate.jp. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review 
on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Yoroshiku.